Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everybody. It's Charlene Anderson, your wholesale sourcing expert, here on a beautiful, sunny March 24th, 2021. It's beautiful and sunny, but it's cold. It's like 12 degrees outside, but I'd rather have sun and cold than cloudy gray days any day. Today, I'd like to talk about virtual trade shows. I know as we speak, at least one other group member is doing a virtual trade show, not one I'm doing, um, but it's something you're going to have to learn about. I think even over the next few months, I don't see trade shows coming back to normal till early next year. Some might happen in the fall. Some are happening now, but the majority of them are virtual. So let's talk about a few things. Someone asked me, how do you find virtual trade shows? Um, you find them by the same way you find regular trade shows. You Google is your friend, trade show um, groups are your friend, niche groups are your friend. The three that I've attended so far, I'm in, I'm in the half of the third one and I have one more after this, are all related to the group of products that I sell in very different ways. Broad category, these are more narrowed down categories. And they all chose to either overlap them or run them one right after the other, which is, craziness um, because you really can't um, do everything you want to at each of them when they overlap so um, hopefully that's a one-off thing and by next year we'll be back to normal but I have a couple things that I'd like to talk about um, virtual trade shows and everything else and this cropped up over and over again in both of the shows last week. The show this week, they have their act together in this way, but that is when shows use Zoom. Zoom is great, but there are issues with Zoom. And I want you all to do this, make a note or do it while we're talking. I want you to go into your Zoom preferences, open up the Zoom app, go to your Zoom preferences, whether you Zoom on a laptop, a desktop, your mobile device. And I want you to go in and I want you to mute yourself upon entry to uh, a Zoom session. Automatically mute, so you don't go in with your microphone on. Um, that is a huge issue we had. If, um, if the organizers are on the ball, they will automatically mute everybody coming in, but one group was not. So people would come in unmuted, and we heard discussions about filing their taxes, we heard kids, we heard dogs, we heard the trash trucks. Um, whether these people didn't know they were unmuted or not, but save yourself and save everybody else a bit of hassle and just have it set up to automatically mute you upon entry to a session. Then if you want to, you could unmute yourself. And for me, I have the little tick box um, that um, says uh, hold down, I can hold down the space mar bar to temporarily unmute me. That helps a lot. Um, Nobody wants to hear all the background noise and it makes it really hard to concentrate. One of these was a um, craft group and people were crafting while they were listening to the Zoom and you could hear the hammers, you could hear the tools, you could hear the knitting needles, you could hear all this going on. And I don't think the organizer knew how to just mute everybody but herself and really distracting. So do that, go in, set up your Zoom so you don't have to worry about it. Um, and save yourself some time and energy later. Um, so once you find a virtual trade show you wanna to go to, you have to register for it. 
Um, prices are all over the board. Some of them are quite reasonable at $25 to $35 to visit the marketplace. Others have individual charges for some of the classes they'll offer. Some of them offer what are called all access passes, meaning you could do anything within that whole trade show. Um, all the sessions, all the vendor things, some of the all access passes offer you early bird access, um, which is nice because you can sometimes, you know, get more attention from people in that way. Um, the ones I have the all access passes to, I tend to do that because I just never know what I want to do at the time I'm registering. So I tend to do that. If you have an all access pass or classes are free, I would say register for every single class that is available. And then as you move closer to the trade show or even get into the virtual trade show, you will know more about what you want to see, hear and do. Trying to guess ahead of time and just registering for a few classes, your interests may change in the weeks or months leading up to the show. And those classes that you decide you really want may end up full. Um, which surprises me that they put limits on Zoom sessions, but they do, but anyway. Um, so I would suggest, I just went through on these all access ones and I registered for everything. And on some of them, Ron has listened into one while I listened to another, especially the business related classes. That's worked real well. Um, Cause you don't know what you want, right? I don't know what I want tomorrow. So I've got like 20 things to choose from in the session tomorrow. And then my, my trade show coming up on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday is interesting because it's the big uh, European craft trade show. And I'm a, it's held in Cologne, Germany, and I'm assuming everything will be in German. Um, but uh, it will be interesting to sit in on a session and see how it's handled, whether there'll be subtitles or whatever. But um, I actually won a pass to that trade show, so it's like I can't not at least check in on it. Um, and some of the, my suppliers are there um, because there weren't any comparable U.S. shows. So they're, they're doing the Zoom uh, trade show um, with the German one. So that'll be interesting. Um, one, a couple other things as you get in these sessions that um, are offered by virtual trade shows. Um, download the calendar, meaning the calendar file on the Mac, you would down, download a file that's marked .ics and that'll put all the sessions you've registered for into your calendar. And also if the trade show has set it up properly, the Zoom links will end up going into your calendar for all those sessions you've registered for. So you don't have to flip back and forth and figure out where you have to click to find the link and all of that. So all of them that I have been to have an option to download the calendar. Um, it's not, it was easy to find in one and not so easy in the other, but it does make it a lot easier. And then it populates your calendar, whether it's Outlook calendar, uh, Mac calendar, iCal, or um, Google calendar. They have the options for all of those and it automatically populates it. So you know where you're supposed to be when. Because after like, this is day nine of trade shows for me, nine days in a row, um, you forget where you're supposed to be. Um, once you're in a session, or, or let's, let's back up a second, um, picking a session. I used to make this mistake all the time, and not just at virtual shows, but at in-person shows. And the, the friend of mine who goes to trade shows with me will say, when are you going to learn? And I finally learned the past few shows. 
Don't take classes you know something about. Even if you have a very base knowledge of something, don't take a class about it because it'll drive you crazy. Because odds are you know more than you think and odds are you might know as much or more than the teacher does. And it will just frustrate you sitting there. Like I took a class on selling on Amazon at a virtual trade show last fall. It was the most annoying class because one, she was giving out some wrong information and two, I knew it all. So I have learned now, don't take a class that I know anything about. So I took classes that I had no clue about the topic or anything, far more valuable. Even if you picked up a few things, it led you into ways to learn more. So I've decided, and I have it written down for, for the next three days, I'm not taking any sessions that I know something about. Um, don't frustrate yourself. Don't get annoyed. Um, it's not the teacher's fault that you're smart and you know more. Um, but I can't imagine any of you guys going to a how to sell on Amazon session at a trade show because you will know more than the teacher. Trust me. Um, when you go to these sessions, stay to the end. You've committed for that hour. Most of them are running 50 to 55 minutes. So there's a five minute break uh, before the next one starts. But stay to the end because all the, the swag gets given away at the end. Um, and if you're into it for 50 minutes, stay the extra five to see if you win anything. Because I have a little list here. On the trade show on Sunday, I stayed till the very last session at the very end. And I won a $199 pass to all access pass to the next uh, trade show, whether it's virtual or live. Um, it's good for a year and they have virtual ones every quarter. So that was a nice 200 bucks for hanging around a few minutes. I also won a um, swag box of paint, um, everything from watercolor to oil paints to gouache to acrylics worth a couple hundred dollars. They didn't give an actual value, but I looked at what it was and yeah, a couple hundred dollars. And I won a $25 Amazon gift card in a trivia contest. Um, so I would say if you're going to invest the time to go to the class, hang on till the end because um, you never know what you win. I looked at it's probably $500 worth of stuff I won. So that kind of paid for, for the time spent the last sitting in the last few minutes of the class. Um, Learn, my next thing, learn what you don't know. Kind of like don't take classes that you know something about. Learn what you don't know. And um, another thing that I think I'm really good at, and I want you guys to be too, is connecting with the leaders of the sessions. Um, and in the first trade show, this was a, a niche that I'm not familiar with a lot of the people in. I know the names, but I don't know them. Like the the knitting, weaving, spinning, dyeing one, I know everybody in that, so that's fine. But in a new set setting, um, I don't. So um, I connected with them on LinkedIn after the session. Immediately after the session, found them on LinkedIn, wrote them a note about the presentation and all that. And every single one of it has accepted my, um, my link on LinkedIn, um, including... Um, a woman who was a keynote speaker at the first one. Her name is Sarah Davies. And if you ever watched Dragon's Den, which is the UK version of Shark Tank, she's a dragon on Dragon's Den. She's in the craft industry. Um, she makes uh, paper crafting tools and has done well enough in the 15 years she's been in business to end up being a dragon on Dragon's Den. She accepted my LinkedIn invitation too because she gave a very good uh, a key keynote address um, 
which I wrote down one quote from, and she says, standing still is the same as going backwards, meaning if you aren't constantly evolving, changing, doing something, um, you'll be failing, you'll be going backwards. And I thought that was, that was pretty good. Um, so don't be shy about sending them a LinkedIn or, or however you can find their connection because you never know what will come of it, right? You never know. And it takes just a couple minutes to do it. So I connected with probably a half a dozen people that I never knew um, that were big players in this whole other side of the crafting world. And hopefully somewhere along the line we'll be able to uh, meet in person and see where things go. Um, couple other things I learned um, at the first virtual trade show is one, you have to have a ton of tabs open on your computer and you have to have a logical way to have them set up so you know where you're going to find things because um, there's just a lot going on. It's like trying to be in 20 rooms at once. And I ended up using on the Mac what are called pin tabs that leaves the, leave the tabs in place. They just stay there and they line up all nicely. And I put them in an order that I could remember. There are little um, icons that appear on each of them, but for one trade show, all the icons are the same thing. So um, that doesn't help, but I put them in an order that I could remember where they was so I knew what to do. Um, otherwise it can be overwhelming and you can't be opening and closing tabs all the time you'll just spend too much time in aggravation and not know where to go. Um, so let's talk about how the virtual trade show actually, trade shows actually worked. And I've been to, this will be my finishing my sixth one right now. Um, the one that's going on currently. Um, most of them will use um, a platform um, of one kind or the other. And it really is immaterial to us what it is. I'm looking to see what, if it says what this, the um, platform is on uh, this one. No, it doesn't say. One, some of them use C-Event um, or C-Vent as their platform. doesn't matter. There will be a hub um, for the virtual trade show. It will have usually um, tabs um, that'll show the whole event at a glance, the sessions you've registered for, um, a help thing, probably a tab for the marketplace and all that. So, so they will, they will show those things. Um, I keep it open to all sessions just to make sure I haven't missed registering for something. But if you want to, you could just keep it on the one I'm looking at now that's going on says my schedule. Um, and that will tell you what education sessions are going on at the time, et cetera. Like currently there's one going on called the, the psychology of price, the markup and markdown game. Um, obviously targeted brick and mortar stores because Amazon sellers, that's not what they want to know about price. But, but um, those sessions will show up. Most of them will give you a link right there to join the session. Um, and most of them, once you've logged into your hub, will remember your username and password so you won't have to, to keep entering it. Some of them will take you to Zoom for the session. Some of them will take you to a pre-recorded, unlisted YouTube video for the session, and then they'll open up to questions later. And some of them will just be a pre-recorded session 
on the the hub the platform and i've had a mix of all three over the the week and a half just now um i'm try i tried to think a hard last night which one seems to work best my least favorite is the unlisted pre-recorded youtube ones for some reason that just seems like a cop out to me and i don't know why um they're nice after the session but if they're there all the time and you can give me a link to it, why do I need to jump into the session? You know, um, I think the ones that worked the best were the ones that had a pre-recorded session um, with the person live in a little um, picture in picture and then with chat open. And then those pre-recorded ones tended to last a half hour of the 50 minute session. And then, then, they switched to a live demo, hands-on doing whatever, and were open for questions then. For me, that one, that one seemed to be the most effective use of the technology. Um, the ones that were live from the start, you can imagine there, there were tech issues um, where things didn't work, the, the vendor couldn't get um, connected properly and all of that. So not that we have any control over um, how these uh, trade show organizers set it up, but just be aware that there are these different ways of doing it. There's also one other thing that gets thrown into the mix, which is um, you can arrange on most of these, uh, you can arrange private Zoom sessions with a vendor. And I did a fair number of those. I would watch a presentation and then decide, do I want to investigate this further and set up a session and you would set that up through the hub as well with a date and time there was a calendar to pick um, those dates and times and um, set up the meetings and those worked really really well um, they were because the people are all over the world there was a couple of them that i connected with that were in japan so um, we didn't have to worry about time difference it was on their end the time difference issue um, and you got to ask the exact questions that you wanted to ask of the vendor. So it's sort of like talking to them in their booth. That's that's the um, what they were trying to recreate is the booth-like experience. But the big thing missing is you can't touch the product and you can't see the quality that way. You can't evaluate, you know, the packaging. All of that is what makes it so difficult to um, to make this a winner. Um, I'm just looking at John Schiff. Sarah Davies has a company worth 40 million and she's only 35 for selling bits of paper. Actually, John, she sells the things that cut up and bend little bits of paper. She doesn't even sell the paper. Um, and she said she started in, in when she was in college. Uh, yeah. Um, smart lady, very practical, smart lady. Um, so, um, so the whole touchy-feely part is gone of it, um, which is a shame. But in a couple cases, I've asked a vendor to send me a sample so I can see the product. And if they're not willing to do that, then yeah, maybe I don't really need to sell that product. Um, so let's talk a little bit more about how the vendors are working these and what you need to know that's different and, and all of that. And one big thing that I noticed is um, that the e-commerce black stamp that we used to have or the whatever stamp that we were like 
the lowest of the low, is slowly going away. The Amazon one tends to still be there, but the general e-commerce one, we're fine. We are in a far better position now. Maybe the whole pandemic woke, woke up um, uh, people to realize that e-commerce is viable. Um, Etsy was not a, a problem with 99% of the vendors. Ron talked to one who had no clue that you could sell craft supplies and the things to make things on Etsy. They thought it was just finished handmade things. So even though they're in the art and craft niche, they did not know that. So it takes some education. It ended up that these people, Ron said they were just really difficult in the Zoom session. Like, and I said, don't, don't carry their product. Who wants to be with someone who's difficult at the outset? You know, it's not going to get any better. They're on their best behavior trying to find um, people to sell their products and that's the best they can do. It is not going to get better. So, um, so the, the e-commerce thing is gone. Um, Etsy, if you can um, fit products into there that fit in with the terms of service of Etsy, um, seems like the place. I ended up opening another Etsy store because of one of these shows in a totally different group of products than what I sell now, as did Ron. He's selling a whole totally different line of products in a second Etsy store. Um, and they didn't have a problem with it. We did run into, or I ran into one problem, then we got all the way talking, it was a distributor, got talking with them over Zoom, told them what, um, uh, what, what I did and all that kind of thing. And um, their warehouse is in Las Vegas, they call, carry like 20,000 SKUs, it seemed really great. So filled out all the paperwork and sent it in, and they said, because you don't have a residential address, we cannot sell to you. And so I thought for a bit, is it worth it getting an address at the UPS store for this one distributor? And having um, thought about it a lot, I decided not. Um, that if that was going to be the, the sticking point, that to me it wasn't worth it, because these products were not exclusive to them. There are at least three other distributors I know that sell the, the same products. Um, so that one we let go, but be aware that might come up. If you have a UPS store address, um, then, um, then you're good to go because that shows up as a commercial address. Um, big thing that was asked by almost every vendor when I said we are 100% e-commerce, et cetera, is do you drop ship? And you could see the minute I said no, like their shoulders loosened up and all that. So I think they are get, they are having a lot of trouble with drop shippers and they don't want to deal with it. And I don't blame them. It's not their job to fulfill retail orders for you. I don't think, you know. So be aware that they'll ask that. And when you say no, we do not ever drop ship. Great. If you do, and it works with those vendors, fine. But for the arts and crafts community, it was some, not something they wanted to do. Um, I'm in chat right now, and, and Sharon says, touching the product is very important to us also. We have done more with existing vendors we trust in their new products. Yeah, I agree. And Ron says, my takeaway from that experience, it's not my job to educate vendors about platforms. I'm also not going to beg a vendor to sell to me. I realize it's not going to work, 
thanked them for the time and in their meeting, parentheses, they had a very superior attitude, quote, superior, that rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of vendors are really realizing they need us as e-commerce sellers as much as um, we need them, which is kind of a nice position to be in. Um, so those are the kind of things you'll come up against um, when talking uh, with a vendor. Um, the, um, the whole thing is don't say, if you're going to sell it on Amazon, tell them up front. Um, because some of them have said, we have exclusive agreements with sellers and we need to know this. And you don't want to buy a bunch of product and then find out you're going to get dinged somewhere along the line, meaning they're not going to sell to you anymore, so you've lost all your other marketplaces. Or someone will file an IP complaint or whatever. So you have to be honest and upfront. I was looking for products at most of these shows um, with the new vendors for Amazon, or for, excuse me, eBay and Etsy. Um, I was not looking at them for Amazon, um, though some of them would work. I just, that's not where I was headed. So you have to know what you're looking for there too. Um, I did have meetings with a couple of existing vendors just to say hi, because it's really important to keep yourself in front of them. So they keep remembering and you can share a little joke and all of that. Um, so don't neglect those existing ones even though they might not have anything new. Um, also, don't forget show specials are as valuable at virtual shows as they are at in-person shows. Um, a lot of the vendors will have on their, I will say card, page, whatever on the event hub, show specials they offer. 10% off this, 20% off that, whatever. Some of them won't have any, and I think Ron picked up a new vendor who didn't have any show specials, but he negotiated free shipping um, and it's a really heavy product, small but heavy. So, so things are negotiable even though they're not offering them because all they can say is, no, sorry, we can't. And then you decide. Um, so show specials are still as viable of an opportunity um, as they ever were. A um, couple other things that, um, that, that came about. One person especially talked about what is going on in the whole industry, art and craft industry, and I think it carries over to all industries. And it was a big company in the art and craft field. Not a product I carry, but I listened to their session anyway, because I want to do this, learn what you don't know. It was a brilliant session. They make paint, you know, like artists paint. And they talked about openly up front in this session, it was like the four head executives of the company, why they are having trouble getting stuff in stock. And you would not imagine why now, after you would think things are a little better in the supply chain in COVID, the freeze in Texas destroyed a couple of plants that make the plastic that make the tubes they put the paint in. And it was one component in this plastic making process because the plant basically got destroyed in the freeze that they are now having these long, longer wait times for that one component to make the tubes to put the paint in. And this, this team, the, there were four people doing the thing, were upfront and honest and says, we expect that it will take this long to do this. Here is what we are doing to fix it. We are not selling like the, the pints and quarts of, say, acrylic paint. 
we're selling tubes in one ounce, four ounce, eight ounce, whatever. So we can keep those in stock, but not the bigger amounts. Um, the pack, they said packaging may look different with every batch you get because we are doing whatever we can to get the paint in the tubes to get it out to you. I mean, it was the way, um, they, it was the way to handle something going wrong. And these people should give a lesson to everybody who's in a crisis point in their business because they were, they just told it like it was. It was like no covering up, no wishy-washy, no nothing. It's like, it was a half hour. This is what's happening. This is why it's happening. This is what we're doing to fix it. This is what you can expect in one month, three months, six months. It was brilliant. Um, the next thing that came up in a couple sessions is just supply chain issues. And Sharon posted in the group, they're having trouble with containers from China as well. Massive delays and double costs of shipping. Yeah, that was another thing that's on my list here about the whole... Um, Delays in all sectors of business. Um, there are delays, may, may or may not be a trickle down from the pandemic. We, you can't put your finger on it, but everything is delayed. Um, so you need to build that into your, your um, restocking times and everything. I know one of my vendors is out of a lot of stuff um, that comes from China. Um, they manufacture it themselves there, and then they distribute it here out of the U.S. And um, I've been dealing with them for 15 years, I think, but they just can't get the containers to get here and get them unloaded and all of that. Um, another issue um, your vendors are facing, and they were very clear about it, is staffing issues. Um, not that COVID means they can't go to work, um, because most of them, including this paint manufacturer, a lot of my suppliers, instead of running one eight-hour shift, are running two to spread out people more. So they're not as close to each other in the warehouse packing orders. So um, the main issue is there are not, as one guy said, I wrote it down, there are not motivated people willing to take the job um, to work in warehouses. And a lot of my vendors have a, um, a header at the top saying um, because of staffing issues due to COVID, COVID our normal 24-hour shipping time is now 36 to 48 hours. And you don't, they don't want it to be that way. It's not like they're just being difficult. They want to be that 24-hour shipper. But, but, um, but staffing is a big, big problem for everybody at every level, it seems like. Um, from manufacturing to transport. Uh, Thalia says she has stock that originates in Europe and everything is slow and backed up. Um, all of it is being impacted. So um, let me get my next note up here. Uh, okay, um, as you go to a virtual trade show, you'll hear a lot of jargon a lot of it is related to that specific industry that you're in, whether it's the trade show that's just starting in Vegas called World of Concrete, um, which I thought, uh, I love trade shows, but I might have to skip that one. Um, they'll have their own jargon, but boy, I can tell you, having been in three and a half shows in the last week, there are five terms that are so overused, it just makes you want to, cringe when you hear it. A couple of them are related. 
A um, couple of them have become far more used because of COVID. Um, and I'll start with the first one, pivot. Okay, pivot. Have you heard that? You've got to pivot your business, pivot your sourcing, pivot your marketing, pivot, pivot, pivot. But while you're pivoting, you have to be agile. You know, you have to be able to go back and forth on that pivot. And somehow I'm picturing the basketball court right now. And you also have to be nimble. So you have to be, you have to be able to pivot while being agile and nimble. So maybe time to get back to um, uh, jazzercise class in the 80s. So you can, you can pivot, be agile and nimble. And then two others that have been around a long time that also I just think are so overused is curated. We have a curated co collection of paint. We have curated the colors. We have curated our marketing team, meaning they're now curating people. Um, I think it's just, there's nothing wrong with the word picked, chosen, you know, curated is, is a very, I don't know, it's trying to be more than you are kind of term to me. It's especially used in the gift box market now. And a lot of, um, uh, sellers, especially e-commerce sellers in the creative world are doing gift boxes now or subscription boxes. And so they're curated, carefully curated subscription boxes by a agile, nimble uh, retailer who was able to pivot. Um, and then the last one is team versus staff. Everybody has a team now, even though they don't have a team. Um, I think that one is just kind of overused too. Um, there are people that I listen to their webinars and they're one person businesses um, like I am, don't have employees and everything. My team will take care of that. No, what's wrong with saying I'll take care of it? No shame. It's, it's you doing the work, you know. Um, I, I think those of us use Karen Lockhart, we theoretically would say we have a team helping us with this, you know, but Anyway, that was, those are the overused terms. Keep track of how many times you hear them because after a while it will be kind of crazy. Um, next thing about going to a virtual trade show, and this will differ from show to show, is how they handle the information that is presented during the show after the show. So does it all go away? Um, does it stay up for a certain amount of time? Do they send you links to all the vendors' websites? And everyone is different, and you really need to know what's going to happen um, before you, you get into a point where it's already happened and you can't fix it. Um, one of the shows I went to this weekend, um, they were live sessions, which is great, but they don't record them. So all that information that's given out is gone. It's not even on a YouTube video. The person presenting, the vendor's representative, um, does not um, have the presentation, nothing. So I have a couple ways around this. Um, if the vendor records it and puts it up on an unlisted YouTube channel, you can download it from YouTube to save it to watch later. So offline. Um, I downloaded a bunch because they said they will disappear on the 26th of March. And this for a show that ended Sunday. So you have just a few days and then they will remove them. And I use an app uh, on the Mac and I'm sure there are similar ones on PC. The one I use and Ron uses is called Downey. D-O-W-N-I-E. 
Um, we get it through a Mac um, app conglomeration thing called SetApp. And SetApp is a monthly fee. I think it's like $12 a month. And you have access to hundreds of Mac applications. A lot of them that would cost that $12 a month on their own, but because it's part of SetApp, um, it will be um, included and you don't pay any extra. So Downy is part of SetApp, and I use about a dozen different ones out of SetApp. I will put the link to SetApp in the main group when this is over so everybody can see it. Um, they have a trial. I would suggest giving it a try if you're a Mac user. And two things I would suggest trying first is one called Clean My Mac and one called this one called Downy and see about downloading things. I downloaded password protected Zoom meetings that were up because I had the password and was able to get those down. Um, it's, it's pretty genius. Um, the other thing you can do if they are not recording it at all is to do a screen capture. Um, and on the Mac, there's a couple things to be aware of if you're going to do this. It means you record the screen while the actual session is going on. But out of the box, screen capture does not record the audio that the person, so you get the video of the person and no audio. It doesn't quite work so well. But there is a free um, add-on that can circumvent this and allow you to get what is called the internal audio, the stuff that's coming through the system and the video in the screen recording. And that little mad piece of magic work is called Black Hole and it's free. And I installed it this weekend when I found out that screen capture didn't record the audio. Um, I did a whole hour session with no audio. Um, Black Hole and it takes it took me about three minutes or four minutes to set it up. Um, I will put the link um, in the group and the link to the YouTube video I used to find out how to set it up um, because it was very helpful. The whole video was like six minutes long and I stopped it here and there and then fast forwarded when I didn't need to um, and got it installed and it does work. It takes two clicks to enable it when you want to start screen capturing um, the um, the uh, session and then two clicks actually one click to undo it so then it's back to normal the output and all of that so I will put in the group links to set app and black hole both and the black hole video um, I would suggest installing it now and having it ready to go test it and so then if the thing if something comes up that you want to do it you're all ready to go um, and Ron says, the great thing about SetApp, the subscription keeps all the apps you're subscribed to updated to the latest version so you don't have to keep buying software. Correct. And you have use of, you could use a hundred of their apps if you wanted for the same price. Um, a subscription um, is two devices and then you can add more devices if you have more in your office or your your team needs it for another I think two dollars and forty nine cents a month. So it's a it's a real bargain, um, just for Clean My Mac and Downy alone. I would say it's worth it. Um, think about downloading videos to from YouTube to watch on a plane or something. You know, where you don't have Wi Fi and you can't stream. It's great. So I will get those things in the group. 
Um, let me get the next page of notes here. And, um, okay, trend spotting was another um, um, big thing that was talked about in a lot of the sessions, um, social media in general, and trend spotting um, for their... Um, for you as a vendor looking to buy products or to mark how to market products and without a doubt a lot of them said TikTok. shockingly enough you can find the trends on TikTok. i've not done it yet i've had a uh, um i've had a TikTok account for a while but i've done zero with it but trend spotting apparently um TikTok is the place to go um Instagram, obviously, there were a lot of sessions on using Instagram to build your business. Um, some of them so intensive that you would need a team member to do what is necessary to do it. I am not so sure that um, promoting on Instagram is going to help your Amazon store, but it will certainly help your Etsy store, your eBay store, your Shopify site, etc. So you have to balance the time you'll put in there to build an Instagram following and to, to do Instagram properly um, versus what kind of return you expect. So for me right now, I'm doing it very sparingly on my personal account to learn more about how it works, learn more about what gets followers and all that before I spend time and energy in pushing it towards my um, Etsy and and ebay stores i don't for me it's not it's not an amazon play unless you're a brand owner now if you're a brand owner huge that's a big big difference because you have way more control ha i say you have some control over your pages on amazon um and pushing people towards your brand and all that so so think about how much time you're going to be investing in learning it using it and where the payoff's going to be if you're 100 percent on amazon and you're not a brand owner, I think it would not be my highest priority. My highest priority would still be finding more products to sell. That was That's where I would go first with the time I had. Um, uh, next note, um, yeah, in, in at least in what they call the creative industries now, I learned that's the new thing. Um, it's not the arts and crafts market, it's now the creative industries. Um, that Etsy's good in 99% of the cases. Ron had the aberration with the, the people with the attitude, but for the most part, people don't have a problem. Um, I was seeing more and more map pricing, and when I said, I want to sell this product in a new Etsy store I'm building, there's not one there yet. There is now, because I bought the domain and, and got the store up. Um, but... Um, but for the most part, at least in the creative industries, Etsy's fine. Map pricing, map pricing, map pricing. And one vendor in Japan was very clear that they actively police for map um, violations. And I think she expected to be upset about that, but I was like so happy. It's like, yes, thank you. Um, that's what we want. You know, that's the whole point of map is that you guys enforce it so we can all have a playing field that works. Don't say you have map and I'm the only one sitting there doing it because I like following rules, you know. Um, so I was glad to hear a lot of them brought up um, map pricing. That was good for us. Another thing several 
vendors brought up is doing bundles for you. Hooray, hooray, right? And one of them will provide a GS1 barcode. Hooray, hooray. Um, meaning, um, I'll just use yarn as an example. Um, XYZ brand of yarn is great. And you know these three colors go together perfectly. One skein, each of them, makes a really great scarf, hat, socks, whatever. It could be used for all this. They will make the bundle and give it a GS1 barcode that they on, under their brand name, um, and you're good to go. That's brilliant. So I started that. I opened up a new account with a company who is going to do that. Um, they will package it in nice packaging, so it's not just in a thrown in a bag and all of that, and we'll be ready to go. Um, it's a brand name that people in the, um, the niche know. Um, so if you say XYZ, you know, cust I, I can't remember, I've done it before with sewing thread, but I can't remember how I worded it. But anyway, um, be aware that your vendors, now they are looking for more ways to expand and some of them may be willing to do this for you. Um, I would be very careful and make sure the GS1 they provide is, is registered to them. It's not a reseller barcode. I had to educate one of my vendors who didn't have barcodes for a long time and I got a GTI and exemption for her probably five, six years ago. No problem. At a, at a real trade show, probably the last one I went to, so a year and a half ago, she um, was all happy that she got product barcodes on her product. And I said, Lori, I said, are those barcodes registered to you? And she said, no, I bought them on eBay. So they're reseller barcodes. They were only 50 cents each. And I said, that's all well and good, but I just want you to know this. If somebody scans that barcode and looks up who owns it, and I did it while we were standing there, this is what's going to come up. And it was like a a health supplement company that had gone out of business because then we googled further she had no idea she had no clue about how it really worked so those barcodes won't work on amazon we know that now fortunately the gtn gti and exemption doesn't matter because i just put my label over her sticker on her tag um, and be done but if you have a vendor who's going to do um um these custom things for you. Make sure that you either have an exemption or that the the um, bar the UPC is registered to them. Um, Sharon asks, will they sell that bundle to others? No, I was very clear that th I wanted this to be an exclusive bundle and they didn't have a problem with it. I think not many people had asked about it. So that particular combination of things that I'm doing um, is mine with my name. I gave them the title I wanted to call it. Um, so that's and it's not doesn't show up on their online cat wholesale catalog or anything so it's an exclusive bundle and it's really beautifully packaged in tradition their traditional packaging so it, the branding is on point and all that and i didn't have to do a whole bunch i got to sit around for two days and pick colors which was like perfect heaven you know the best thing you could do is play with the colors instead of having to deal with the other end but if you do this be aware that they need to be educated about how UPCs work, why on Amazon we can't use this resold uh, barcode. And I think there was a group member who had this issue with a brand she was selling 
who when checking who owned the UPCs, it was another company. And this was a company that had these printed on their packaging and everything, and they were owned by a defunct company. So they had bought reseller barcodes. And I think she had to go in and educate these people about this. So um, don't assume your vendor knows everything because in a lot of cases, you know more. And I can tell you in 99.99999% of the cases, you know more about Amazon. Um, all you have to do is listen to what they say and you, you just roll your eyes and it's like, yeah, no. And I found that if I am not going to carry their product, I'm not going to spend the time correcting them when they're wrong. I'll, you know, especially on Zoom stuff, like, oh, okay, okay. I, I decide pretty early if the product seems interesting and they can tell me all about how Amazon works and what I need to do and all that. And I can just let it roll right over my head because you and I, and everybody in the group knows how it really works. So let me get my next group of notes here. Uh, okay, last page. Um, the whole issue about virtual trade shows that I need, I think will have to be made more consistent if these are gonna continue is how we access the vendors themselves. I don't mind going to different platforms to, um, to be able to see a thing on pricing, you know, a session on pricing, or there's one this afternoon um, on um, copyright and trademark, um, which was one I really wanna listen, especially the trademark one. Um, I don't have a problem with that, but I think there needs to be some consistency within each trade show as to how you interact with the vendors. Um, I was I had a meeting with a vendor yesterday. It was supposed to be at four o'clock. Um, it was supposed to be a Zoom session and all that. My phone started ringing downstairs. I was upstairs helping Ron with something at 345. And I looked at my Apple Watch and it's the vendor calling. And I couldn't get down fast enough to um, to answer the phone. You know, it takes a few minutes for a voicemail to come through. A voicemail come through saying their Zoom isn't working, um, so we have to cancel the meeting. Now here's the interesting thing. Do you think I woke up this morning from, with an email saying, would you like to reschedule and win? Nah, nothing, nothing. Um, so yeah, they're a very big supplier of mine, but I don't know that I need to spend the time to talk to someone. Um, so um, yeah, but you're a sales rep and you like can't just drop an email. Sorry that Zoom wasn't working. Let's get together. Um, Sharon says, I can't wait to get back to shows in person. I haven't been too happy with the virtual trade shows. Most I've attended have not been good as you've experienced. I would say these are adequate. I wouldn't say they're good. They're adequate. Um, some parts are better than others and I can't wait to get back. I'm going to the one in October. I'm already scheduled for it um, if it goes off um, just because there is no comparison. And I had thought and, and looking back on the first one I did, which was about a year ago, the first virtual show, um, was the one that is currently going on now, so it makes sense, it was about a year ago, um, the drop-off in number of vendors participating in the show. And I would have thought, and my logic in my head told me, that because it is far cheaper 
to for a vendor to participate in a virtual show you need the booth fee and i think they started at a hundred dollars um the booth fee and a zoom and a camera and a zoom account or a youtube or something to record your video right it's all you need to participate i was shocked that instead of like 800 booths at this show in person there is less than 100. um which to me seemed like counterintuitive i don't know what you guys think let me know am i wrong in thinking because it's cheaper and easier and you don't have travel expenses and you don't have you know to set up a physical booth and all that i would have thought there would have been more people um but i was wrong there are far fewer vendors um and a lot of these i curiosity i looked up are still in business it's just that they decided not to participate so um so we shall see it's um it's an interesting time i think vendors cannot wait to get back to real shows i know as a buyer it does not compare at all and greedily enough i like all the free giveaways and the free drinks and the free hors d'oeuvres at trade shows i like that get it free and then get more kind of thing one vendor at the show last week sent a box ahead if you registered for one of their sessions they sent a box and it was a couple hundred dollars worth of stuff they sent which was brilliant um um so and thalia says she doesn't think they want to tackle the learning curve to do a virtual show could be um sharon says there are tons of shows scheduled this summer in vegas and we will be there and i'm jealous and Sharon says, ASD in Dallas or Orlando are only 200 booths in person each. It didn't make sense to travel. A ASD canceled the Phoenix show. I was wondering about that. And Matt is going to ASD in Dallas. I think it was in Dallas. where He was on a plane yesterday. He posted a picture of Matt of the magic feedback removal button, um, which worked for me last night um, or night before last. Because I went, guys, almost a month without looking at my feedback. I think I deserve a pat on the back because I used to do it like 10 times a day, almost a month. And there was one that was an FBA issue, item arrived damaged, did not get automatically removed. I used Matt's wording, opened the case, and it did get removed. So um, uh, John says the sales managers prefer live trade shows for the parties and uh, being away from home. Yeah, I, I like hotels too. I know that sounds weird because a lot of people don't, but as a girlfriend of mine said probably 30 years ago we were walking through the lobby of a brand new hotel in honolulu we'd had lunch there and i looked around and she was a travel agent and i said ethel i really like hotels you know because it was all these gorgeous big lobbies right on the beach in honolulu she goes no you just like really nice hotels and every time i go somewhere i think of ethel when she said that you know <laughs> anyway um, Thalia says, I think there's a whole new market for event planners who can help vendors set up virtual. I tell you, that's a brilliant business idea. I think that's brilliant. I don't think there's any out there in the, in the niches I follow, but I think that's brilliant and you may have a business right there. Um, so that being said, it's the top of the hour. I know you guys are busy. I hope this answered any questions you had about these shows and kind of what to expect. I'll leave the chat open for a minute or two in case I forgot anything. Uh, remember to set your Zoom so your mute, your camera is off and you're muted upon entry. That's in your settings thing and one's audio, one video. 
set it that way so when you jump in it doesn't matter and then you can change them when you've gotten in and you can take a breath and whatever um, hopefully as we get further along zoom coordinators will know to mute everybody upon entry um, I as you can tell I have a piece of blue painters tape over my camera because that works for me um, and in some zoom sessions you can set a, a thumbnail a, a headshot for your instead of your camera but it depends on how the organizer has set up the gallery photo and all that because sometimes for me it would show up and sometimes it would just be the blue screen that showed up so and sometimes it would show turned off so that's on their um their um how it's set up on their end and there's no rhyme or reason as to how they do it so if there's no other questions i'll let you guys get back to work i wish i had you guys on my team here to help me process because I've ordered all throughout the 10 days. I've been nine days at these shows, but I haven't processed anything. So you can imagine I have a warehouse to get through, um, but we'll get there. Fortunately, it's not big stuff. I like those small, light and relatively expensive products. So get out there, keep sourcing, take care, stay safe, and we'll see you in the group. Bye-bye.